Hello and welcome to this episode of Wolves Fancast, David Evans here. Uh, joining him on the Zoom line for the end of season podcast, everybody. We finally made it after nearly maybe 13 months of a straight podcast through the season. Season, We're finally here. It is the end of season podcast. Uh, joining me on the Zoom line, Adam's here. Evening, Adam. Evening, that's been a long season, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> George's here. Evening, George. Evening. And Matt's here. Evening, Matt. Hello, how are we doing? I'm good, I'm alright. How's everybody else this evening, on this Monday night? It's been a mixed weather day uh, for me, out and about. How's it been for everybody else? Going to be a big storm coming. Yeah, the weather's been a bit inclement during the day, has it not? Mm. My long day at work, as I said before, I've got my penal M&Ms, I'm ready to go. Have you got like an EpiPen in case you are allergic to those (laughs) peanuts? I'm 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 going to roll the dice and take a spin of the wheel. <laughs> go with go with the flow. Okay, well, on this podcast, it's our annual end of season podcast, and what a season it's been, both in good and bad ways. This season and football in general for this season will go down in history and will be known forever for, obviously, from a Wolves point of view, for their first European venture in over 30 years, but also from their bad points where. The world stopped, and rather than saluting our footballing heroes, we saluted the real heroes of the world, our NHS workers, our key workers, uh, our parents, our friends and family and people we hold close to them. And we realised that it's not just the body, but the mind as well that these people have been helping us with over the last few months while we've been in lockdown. But footballing-wise, Wolves finished seventh and got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Now, at the start of the season, you would have probably said, wow, that's fantastic. A top 10 finish, quarterfinals of the Europa League. Why should you begrudge that type of finish? But then if you look at how the season nearly came to an end for Wolves, when football restarted back in March, Wolves were actually looking to get not only a top six finish, but maybe a top four finish and the Champions League. And it was on the cards for Wolves, but certain results went a certain way and Wolves finished seventh. No European football next season because of how it's ended with the places and the FA Cup result. But I say a fantastic adventure in the Europa League and the quarterfinals. So, Jens, that's where I start this question first. And, George, I'll come to you first. Given it's been a few weeks now since the league's finished and obviously the Europa League finished only last week for Wolves, how do you feel now about Wolves this season? Seventh in the league, no Europe next season, but a top ten finish and quarterfinals in the Europa League. Is it for you a good or a poor ending to the season? Um, I think it's a cracking season, but how it ended and the way, and like I've said before, the position we got ourselves into, um, it feels a bit deflating, I think is probably the word. Um, obviously, we've come back through lockdown, um, won those three games on the bench, and um, I put a picture up um, on Twitter um, of after game week 32 we were like seven points clear of Tottenham with a better goal difference you know we were three points or two points beyond Leicester um, the league campaign I think it sort of it sort of petered out with a bit of a whimper really um, and it was slightly disappointing where we came you know in the league the Europa League as we touched on on the, the last episode I think we were just beaten by a better team um, on the night really um, and we've got to look at that Europa League campaign on its own as fantastic achievement and even you know that league campaign as well sort of start the season I said a top 10 finish and get out of the group stages of the Europa League I'll be really happy with that so you know it's surpassed my expectations from the start of the season I just think that there's a little bit of unease around 
of the season competed out with Wolves with a few fans gauging that on Twitter as well so for me it was a bit of a deflated finish but by all means you look at it as a on the whole it's been a cracking season again by by the club Matt where do you kind of sum it up uh, at the moment for in your point of view do you think it was a, still a good end to the season top 10 and quarterfinals or do you think perhaps like George said there's a there's still an element of disappointment there there's there's an element of disappointment however it's We've got to remember we're talking about a season that's surpassed in length than anything that we've been used to. So we've got to look at it as a as a whole, as opposed to you know a few uh, a few bad results and one essentially bad run. Um, deflating is probably the word I'd use as well. Um, but there are a lot of you know elements of second season syndrome that we didn't um, that we didn't fall under, and there's you know the whole so many games are we going to struggle in the league because of that. Well, no, we didn't really. You know, we, we we were consistent in the league. We didn't suffer as a result of it to the point where we were looking at a bottom half finish or anything like that. So, I think considering the somewhat restricted squad that we have, because we aren't a big hitter at the moment in terms of spending and 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 one of the you know infamous top or sky six as they call it. I think it's been a good season, and I think it's been a good you know end to the season in that. We didn't take any shellackings, really, in, in, since we've come back from Project Restart. Um, apart from Chelsea, which we were pretty useless against. Um, I thought that we actually held a decent account of ourselves. And it was, you know, the odd, the odd mistake that cost us in games as opposed to us being outplayed in every game. So I think it was a good end to the season and an overall a good season for us. And without that Europa League um, monkey on our back, we've got a bit of you know, an opportunity to do something really special next season, I think. Ad, where do you uh, fly your mast? Are you flying it in the, in the good flag or the, the bad flag? Yeah, I mean, um, sometimes it's not just the destination, but it's kind of how you get there, which is the, 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 the main thing. And I think it's a bit of a cliche, a well-worn cliche, but they say before the season starts, you would have taken seventh place in a Europa League quarter-final. But like I say, it's just, it, it's how you end up in that position, which is what makes people give it a good or bad tag. And, you know, as, as George said, the position that we were in uh, after 32 games, you know, you can't argue, or it's very hard to argue that we ultimately uh, let Spurs uh, back into it with the, with the the three losses that we suffered uh, post lockdown. But you know, it's our first ever go at the Europa League in this format. You know, in, in the modern era of Wolves, and to get to a quarter final is a great achievement. You know, we you've only got to look at teams like Man City who spend hundreds and hundreds of millions or nigh on a billion pounds. You know, and and their first two goals in Europe, they've never even got at the group stage. And I appreciate it's it's, it's a step up in the Champions League, but you know they they never cracked it. You know, first first go, and we've you know we've we had a good account of ourselves and got to the quarterfinals. Um, so it, it's regrettable, you know, that we aren't in the Europa League next season. But I don't think that it would alter a long term project too much. You know, if if I'm honest, I don't think it's going to be like a, a nail in the coffin or anything that dramatic. Um, so ultimately, I do think it has been a good season. Now, now the, the dust has, has settled uh, 
I think anyone that says it's really, it's been a bad season probably just needs to just step back and look at the bigger picture for a minute rather than being a bit you know react, reactionist. But I would definitely say it has been a good season. Well, if you look at what Wolves did this season, they had more points than last season. They were in the same position, and they did that with a smaller squad or of kind of a similar size squad to last season. And we only, you know, looking at the players that we brought in last summer, only really Neto is the one that, and, and obviously Podence in January that came through. And we obviously started the season far early. We basically played six extra games before, just as the Premier League season started. I can't say season, what's going on? Uh, before the season started uh, with the Europa League qualifiers. So surely then, I mean, it's kind of an open question. That's an improvement, surely. Given the resources we had available, we've not only matched last season's position, but we've played far more games and progressed as a club. I'd say yeah, so. I mean, you, you can't really. Sorry, um, you can't really. No, no, no. You can't really. You know, it's progression. It might not feel like progression because of the kind of sour-ish end to the season. But you know, sometimes. I mean, we live in a very disposable age, don't we? Where we just want immediate success. Um, that's not just with football in everything in life. You know, it's a very now, now, now culture that we live in. So, I think we have to look and think to ourselves. We're on a we're on a plan. We've actually not lost anybody yet of the event you know of any immediate value to us and we're in a position where we can build on now and continue forward so you know there are a lot of positives a lot of positives George what are you going to say um yeah I was going to say similarly to Matt really I think that there is that ultimately we've been on such a you know meteoric rise that you know obviously won the championship with 99 points and then First season, seventh place, semi-final of the FA Cup this season. Um, and I, I'm a victim of that as well. I, I, I still feel that we're better than feel that we're a better team than seventh place in the Premier League on the on this Premier League season. Um, so that's where that underwhelmingness feel I'll get that underwhelming feeling comes from. But you're absolutely right with Matt with what you said there. Like it, we do live in a culture where it's very much like now, 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 and. Wolves fans, I think, just expect to keep bouncing and bouncing. And, like, you know, we can see what that end goal is with Fosen. And I do back the fact that we're getting there as well. It's just that we're not, I suppose, in the last couple of years, we're not used to losing games, really. Or we're not used to being disappointed. Um, not very often, anyway. And um, I hate to say, go back five years when we were in League One, but... You know, I remember that double that that that, that double relegation back to back seasons, and how basically how shit it was. And I just never, I didn't even want to go to Molyneux. I didn't want to watch them. Um, so now it's like night and day compared to you know what 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 we're seeing now. So I think it's a bit of a you know this is where we are right now, and it's probably a fair end to the season really. Um, but by all means, I'm just excited to see what happens next season and beyond. I don't believe that Wolves fans expect the world. Surely not. That's not the case, is it? Mm. It's Surely good, I mean, like, we, we, we finished seventh with no Europa League and we finished seventh with a Europa League. So, in, the, in one way, can say we, we have progressed. We might not have progressed league position-wise, but we've progressed in the fact that we've taken on such a demanding schedule and we've got more points than last than last season. Um, 
you know, obviously, unfortunately, we don't get European football again. But there's some fine margins involved in that as well. To be honest, what with you know, you, you look back to the results, and if like just just altering one thing would would improve our position. So, um, I understand also with the expectation, you know, because of how good we how good we've been over the last two years. That does expectations just completely shot through the roof. You know, some would say unreasonably, but I guess we also live in a time where fans want the instant, instant success because they might be fearful of, you know, players leaving, the mm. squad getting weakened because they know that it works both ways. But players kind of also want instant success as well. And if they don't get it at the club, they'll quickly look to another club or tell their agents to go and look for another club where they can get more instant success. So I understand that it, it does go go both ways but you know what I'd like to think with our club is that they see the project that, that is in place you know, you know some, of these, some of these players have joined us they joined we asked them to leave a major European team to come and drop into the championship so I would, I would think they do bind this project um, it's just as long as, we, as long as we're keeping on the, the right lines and there's no clear evidence that we're going backwards which I can't see I don't think anyone can really see that at the moment. So there's no need to panic in that regard. And I think we've only got good things to look forward to this season. And what I don't want to fall into the trap of is a lot of people saying, well, we might be better off next season because we've got no Europe and with a hectic schedule. You know, just in general, what we you know, post-lockdown football trying to catch up with itself in the calendar, you know, we might be better off just the league campaign. I don't really want to fall into that trap as such because we proved this season we can swallow up to long campaigns but I just think we've, we've, we're still getting the right indicators from the club that we've got a lot to look forward to next year. I don't know if anyone else has felt this this season but I've, I don't know whether it's because of the how far we've jumped in such a short space of time because of European football and the expectations we've been talking about but I really feel like the intensity of a post result has been incredible this season. If Wolves win it's the greatest thing in the world. If Wolves lose, it's even more of a nightmare and it's the end of the world. I know in pre- I know you get that anyway in football fandom and you get that with any team. I've, I, don't know, I don't know whether it's because when you're in the Premier League, you're worried that this is the golden chalice and it's, it could be taken away from you if you start you know, performing badly and you could be in purgatory, which a loads of championship teams are. But I've really felt this year, and I don't know whether social media is probably a big part of that, that as I say, the intensity of a bad result is so bad, it can be at times, and you, it almost starts to try and change your own mindset, and it's hard sometimes to come away and look at the bigger picture. I don't know if anyone else has, has seen that this year, that the, the kind of mentality between a, a win and a loss has been gulfed a bit. I'd probably say with that kind of thing, you know, it's always a, a silent majority in a lot of cases. You're only ever going to see the extreme sides of the spectrum when you do venture onto Twitter or forums and, and things like that. One element to it, though, when you look at actually how close the season has been with teams exchanging places in the table, especially in that last six games, that each win, each loss has meant a little bit more because of what could have been mm. so because the stakes were so high with the Champions League being dangled in front of us um, each result has a bit more of an impact than last season I think the the qualification of the Europa League was a kind of 
I'm, a happy accident makes it sound like we had an understated season, but you know it was a real bonus at the end of the season. Whereas this, you know, the Champions League carrot was dangled in front of us, so every result meant more. Anybody else at all? Did anyone else find that it's been a, a quite intense this year, given given what the what was what was it, what was at stake? Yeah, I do as well. You know, I think that, like I say, from my last point, I think that just success breeds success, and fans want it now. And the you know we are ahead of schedule, and we've possibly slightly overachieved in the, both the last two seasons. Um, but I mean, Twitter for what it is is you know it can be quite a toxic place as well, and you almost you almost get extremes both ways of someone being. You know, you've got people being really positive on there and people being really negative on there. But ultimately, it's just to, it's just to get likes and to, you know, that's all it is. And I don't think that, you know, if you challenge these people on the reactions, I don't really think they mean it as much as, you know, their outrageous statements are on Twitter. And um, look, I'll put my I was really, I was gutted. Um, I think I made that pretty clear. <laughs> on the podcast as well, especially after Sheffield United with me and Stu. Um, but you know, I think that you've got you've got to back it up with you know with um, with like theory and you know actually back up your argument and your statement. So I do think that you know fans, I've seen Wolves fans saying, "Oh well, you know we should have come fourth, we should have come third. Let Let's be realistic. You know, if we'd have got in the Champions League this season. We're a fantastic team. We're improving all the time, but let's be realistic. If we'd have got in the top four, it would have been because Chelsea or Man United haven't played up to the scratch. And for a large part of this season, Man United have been way off the boil. Um, so that's why it felt so possible. And with Leicester dropping like a stone. So I think like I say, in hindsight, seventh was probably fair. And um, yeah, I, I just, I'm just looking forward to next season now just to see if we can improve on that. So, George, you're saying that if we, with every tweet, there needs to be it needs to be backed up with an essay and a bibliography and a reference at, list. Yeah, at least Harvard referencing. <laughs> oh, As Harvard referencing. That takes me back. <laughs> oh, that takes me back. Uh, just, I'm going to move on now. Let's get on to Nuno's school report. And we do this every year for the manager we have for that season where we look at the season and we give them a school grade. Um, obviously, government U-turn, A-level GCSEs jokes may not be included in this, but, you know, it's going to happen anyway. But Nuno score report, how has he performed this season? Before we go into a bit more detail about that, gents, I want to kind of go around the room and to give me what, how would you first, what grade would you give him? The standard grade, none of this numbers grade they have now, your standard A to F. Matt, what you give him for this season as a grade? Uh, I've given him a B plus. B, B plus. plus. A B plus player. A B, yeah. Adam, what are you going for for your overall grade? See me after class. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've also gone for a, a B, um, a good, but also room for improvement. B plus, George. B minus. B is minus. So we're all in that bracket. Yeah, like I say, um, large parts of the season, fantastic. Bit of a disappointing start and a bit, a bit of a disappointing end. It just leaves that sour taste in your mouth, doesn't it? So yeah. Completely room to improve. I'm also going to say B plus. I might. I was waiting for someone to say B sharps at some point. I was hoping for that <laughs> little thing to go in. Uh, but B plus as well uh, for me. Now Nuno in the first two seasons on this podcast has always got at least an A. So he dips into the B category for the first time. 
so watch out Nuno I want to just quickly go over a bit this a bit more I want to kind of pose a question uh, to you Matt on this one he's obviously if you look at the, the transfers he's only really had two successes out of that he's had far more games he's had to get the max out of what is a small squad although he you know, that, that's what he seems to prefer do you think he's done as much as he can really with this squad and what he was the resources that were available to him mm, I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced about that I mean when I was looking at the reasonings behind why I, why I give a B plus I thought I'd actually, in the terms of you know room for improvement, I would like to have seen him been a bit more adventurous with the team that he does have. You know, it, it is a squall, a squall. It is a small squad by design, not by forced hand. It's not like we played with injuries twenty four seven. And we've got you know a fantastic youth setup, and I think there are players there that he could have utilised that could have offered a different edge. Um, but because he's quite stubborn or in his tactics in a way where he would rather than try and nullify uh, rather than try and attack a team he'll try and nullify a team's strengths i don't think that he's helped us in certain games and certain situations where we're not fantastic at defending a lead uh, you know as it's been proven on a number of occasions and we've got players on the bench like you know Otisawi and uh, and so on, and and so on and so forth that are ready made to be offered a chance to do something and, and I really haven't had the opportunity to do so. And I think if he was a little bit more adventurous and a little bit more creative, we could have had a, a, maybe a few more different results. And for that reason, I think, you know, it is a small squad by design, not by, mm. not by forced hands. So that's where that's for me, where the room for improvement could lie. Do you think that defensive approach then is perhaps really hindered I know, you know, Wolves are very much a counter-attacking team, but that defensive approach has really perhaps resulted in the end results we've had in some of the games, especially in the last half, that could be down to his management of how he's told the players to manage that game out. I think so. I think so. Because, you know, let's... And it's hard because it's the, it's the, with the last game of the season and they were a very, very good side, but Severe, for example. Um, when you start to take off your attacking threats or you start to at least play more defensively the way they, the way that we do we only need to concede a goal one goal to th- and then there's nothing we can offer go for because we've played our hand we've we, we've already shown our cards at this point um, and we've done that on time and time and time again where the answer for, for Nuno is to kind of shut up shop let's sit back if we can break on the counter fantastic but we're playing so deep that you know, we're not allowed to, and against a really, you know, I don't want this to turn into a severe pod review, but um, against the really good squads, it's not going to work. And I feel that that has lost us, lost us points sometimes where I think in one of the um, post-match reviews this season, he's, uh, I think it was against Watford. He said, we never got the draw that we wanted. And I was just thought that's criminal, surely. That's mm. you know, that's that's strange, a strange mentality. Why not when you're trying to defend? You know, attack is the best form of defence, as they say. So I don't know. People might disagree, and I'm and I'm happy to to debate it. To be fair, but I just think that that defensive mindset it can go wrong, and then when it does go wrong, it goes spectacularly wrong. Um, I was going to say uh, there's a, a point I'm going to get to about you mentioned about we don't seem to do well on against the the better teams. Uh, before I get to that, add. Obviously, he's head coach. He's improved players. We've seen that 
very much so in a Triore this season, which we'll get on to in a bit. You see that with Jimenez, you see that with the squad in general. Surely, again, as a coach, he's fulfilled that role this season. Well, uh, there, there are there's positives and negatives, obviously, from that, the whole from his approach to everything. I mean, one thing that is notable notable improvement from last season. So last season we quite famously struggled against the teams in the bottom, I don't know, bottom five, bottom six. Mm. Um, that's been completely flipped on its head. A U-turn, if you will, uh, this, hey. year, this uh, <laughs> Uh, for this season, and the fact that I think we beat every bottom six team bar uh, Watford away, where we lost, so so that was something that you know something that's blighted us last year, which we put to bed this year. Um, obviously, there's this big key standpoints like doing the double over over Man City and then the Europa League campaign. But then, I guess from the, from the flip side, as like Matt alluded to there, you know, it's it's almost like sometimes he's giving us just the second half to, to beat teams and I mean it's become a running joke hasn't it how often we fail to score in the first half of games and in fact I'm looking at some stats now to be honest and we're only in, in the league this season we've only scored twice in the first 15 minutes all season long so I don't know only five times in the last 15 minutes of the first half so you just you, you kind of there's playing with a handbrake on there's playing sometimes like without any even engine in the car sometimes because uh, as Matt said, if you, if, if you go one nil down, you're just giving ourselves a really hard time to, to get back into the game. And I know the second half version of Wolves, you know, we, we just we, we've turned a lot of results around sometimes. But you always come a cropper against it eventually when when you adopt that kind of approach to a game. And we do sometimes tend to play within ourselves. We've got some really flair players up front our second options you know, some of the best options we've ever had Raul Jota Traore Neto uh, Pedence when he came in halfway through we've got some cracking options up front but it always just seems like I don't know we, we always play kind of more of a safe brand of football sometimes again especially in the first half and then I guess one thing that has crept into our game this season from last is, is some, some late goals that we concede um, and certainly in the second half of the season, like Spurs at home, Bur- Burnley away game, um, Sheffield United, Sheffield United, and even like Sevilla in, mm. in the Europa League, there's a habit of of us conceding these late goals, which you know we want to see that stand take where possible. So um, there's things to work on. Uh, like I said, that's I mean that's the reason why it's got to be across the board from us really, because there's there's nothing to Crippling, cripplingly obvious mm. to us. There's, there's things there to work on, things that, if put right for next season, it stands us in good stead. Those late goals felt felt very much like Wolves in the 90s. I just remember as a kid, we always seemed to concede in the last minute from a corner. We'd be 1-0 up and I used to be like, nope, got to wait for the full-time whistle. They're going to score a goal. Um, I want to throw this stat. Again, this is kind of goes on the point that both Matt and Ad, you've been talking about in terms of um, not as good as against the, the best teams, but better against the lower teams. We know that last season that was a kind of our Achilles heel. I was doing some stat research uh, for the pod. If you look at last season, uh, bottom six, we've got 14 points out of 36 against those bottom six. The middle order, so everyone between... Um, above the bottom six and before sixth. Um, 
27 out of 42 points available. And then the top six, we've got 16 out of 36 points, which we always felt last season, we were, you know, there was this big thing about Wolves and I seem to do over the big teams. If you look at this season, bottom six, 29 out of 36 points. So that kind of stereotype of we can't do against the lower teams, we threw that out the window. The middle order, 16 out of 42 points compared to the 27 of last season. And then this season, and then for the top six, only 13 points out of the 36. So it's a three-point reduction. And something that was really obvious to me um, in those last few games in this restart, and obviously it's hard because of the gap and you've got trying to look over the season as a whole. What I felt this season was that when we play a team who don't really know what they're doing, we can just easily beat them. But I almost do feel like teams in that top half last season were a bit blown away, were blown away a bit like, oh, I've not played with you know anybody like this before and struggled against Wolves. And perhaps this season they've been able to adjust slightly to our play. And therefore we, not necessarily we haven't got results against them, but they've just been able to adapt more and easier against our style of play. And that's where we may not have got certain results. I just thought it was quite interesting. You can see that quite contrast of top half last season, fine. Now it's completely shifted. And if you get a couple of more results against that top half of the team, top half teams, or at least in the in the middle order, that's where you're going to start getting picking up those points to get into a top six finish. I guess the disappointing from the top six games, disappointing ones for me was Leicester, where both those games I think was there for the taking. To mm. be honest, um, and then I guess Chelsea doing the double over us was. <clears throat> it was a bad one. Chelsea were like the only team I think this year that completely blew us off the path, mm. especially like the, the home game. I wasn't I wasn't there to see it live, but that was one where they, they they completely blew us away. And then even like the last game of the season, we didn't really turn up when it, when it mattered. Um, but then, yeah, those games of against. Uh, um, at the Burnleys and the Sheffield United, they're they're quite disappointing because it, it's quite hard when you when you lose to a team that's around you. It's a double whammy, really, because it kind of affects you a little bit more because you 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 want, you want to beat them because they're they're around you, they're around in the same same position as you. And you want to put some gap and some daylight between them. Um, so something to, as well, the top six, they're always that they. they can strengthen to a far greater capacity mm. that we can, especially what your Liverpool's and ironically Man City, even though we did double over them. But um, it hopefully, revert to sort of last season when uh, we've always said, haven't we, that, that we always fancy ourselves against anyone in the t- in, in 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 the league. So, so hopefully, next season we revert to back where we were in, in our first year up when we could take them on and give it and give the top six a good game. And I guess as well, even though you could easily put the argument that VAR this season has, has really been a hindrance for us and there's been many results where it could have been different, especially the, less, the two lesser results probably should have been wins because of the VAR, but it kind of leads back onto your point, Matt, that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day for the how the way we're set up isn't going to get us the positive result, then the VAR doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going, uh, if you're going to create six chances for the sake of argument and then one of them gets struck off. Yeah, but you know, that's bad. But you, you, you're almost allowing because of the ratio of the amount of times that we challenge, you know, we do, we, we, we cut on a counter. You know, I wouldn't say we've, we've peppered any teams really this season. 
um, to the point where I thought that's an absolute thrashing. Mm. Um, if you know, create more chances, you've got more opportunity to score, and VAR can't play as much you would hope uh, of an impact. But you know, VAR has been and gone. There's nothing. There's nothing we can do about it at this point in time. Hopefully they'll remedy some of the things, you know, or they'll create more rules to confuse us like armpits and where your armpit begins and everything else. But, you know, what would we talk about otherwise? I think we've learned two things from this. Um, players need to grow longer armpit hair, perhaps. Or no, no, do they need to shave their armpit hair, maybe? Sha- shave it, yeah. They need to be clean off. shaved all the way through. But also, Nuno next season needs to adopt the Ian Holloway Blackpool tactic of just score more goals than concede. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny because it, maybe that's a. Uh, I always thought that of a of a Fulham um, approach, a Kevin Keegan approach. That was, that's what I would put that down to. But maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to uh, the best and worst moments this season. Obviously, there's been some fantastic moments this season, and some ones that we're going to hang our heads in shame. Jordan, I'm going to come to you first. I set everybody a task of picking their top three for each. Let's get the worst out of the way first. Let's just get these ones out of the way. Jordan, what were your worst three moments of the season? Um, Chelsea at home. Yeah. Chelsea away. Okay. Um, and Chelsea in a night out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea. <laughs> we didn't play them again, did we? Um, so Chelsea at home, Chelsea away, Sheffield United away for me. Um, that's, a, that's a solid three. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, go on, no, go on, Jordan. Anything you no, want to elaborate on those? No, I was just going to say, Chelsea, we got outplayed both mm. games. Um, Sheffield United pissed me off dramatically. And obviously then me and Stu had to do uh, the podcast with Hooch about 20 minutes after the game. And I think we both rolled each other up a bit. So, yeah, definitely a worst moment of the, of the podcast season for me as well. Um, <laughs> Matt, what, what were your worst three? Um, Chelsea at home. Quick sidebar, I was, it was my first ever kind of fan cast assignment. So I met um, these these uh, people from Russian TV, like the equivalent of Sky Sports. And we did like this interview outside um, outside the church opposite Charlie's Fish Bar. And I talked to Wolves like we were the greatest team you've ever seen in history. And then we got beaten 5-2. And then I was having a bit of an exchange with the guy and I just felt completely humbled. And it was a real coming down to earth. Did you uh, take them to Charlie's Fish Bar? Uh, no, I did, no, I did not. Um, I did not, unfortunately. Uh, the other would have been um, Wolves Brighton at home, the nil-nil, the last game before lockdown. Um, yeah. Purely because of just how a drab affair it was, and it was, it was just, it was so. If I'd have known that that was the last game of football, I never, I would have seen for four or five months. I would have got a lot more drunk, put it that way. <laughs> um, and then uh, Watford two Wolves one. Watford were awful in the league and it felt like a real opportunity to bounce back from um, an unlucky defeat to Liverpool um, but we just looked at character we looked really deflated and defeated and it, that was a especially like trying to exercise the demons of the um, of the semi-final as well it was a really good opportunity to do that and, and it never happened I know this is around just thinking of Charlie's Fish Bar I remember um, always being told a story that my sister well, my old sister um, going uptown obviously in the in the noughties she would, you know, post wherever she'd been on the night out, ended up in Charlie's, when there's so much on the night out that Charlie himself would always recognise her when she came mm. in by name as well. Uh, I don't know, every time I think of Charlie's, I see Charlie's, I just think of that story. Uh, I swear, didn't he, didn't he sell fags as well? Wouldn't he like a tuck shop as well of a night time? I swear, <laughs> <Tuck> like, <shop. laughs> Can I have a cup biscuit if you've got one? 
I swear Charlie used to sell all sorts of black counter. I think, I think there was fags and like condoms and everything. I'm sure <laughs> there was. I'm not even joking. I'm be. I'm sure he was like a proper like like a yeah a tuck shop from a secondary school. Is, is, that, his you side, is that his side? Is that his side hustle? Like I think your, so. Yeah. I think you 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 your mini, yeah. mini kitchen <laughs> condoms. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think basically. I think it was a special. A number three that was. I think. <laughs> what a number three in a week. <laughs> number three. Here's your number I've, I've, I've had a great night. Can I have my number three special, please? You know, you know what that is. <laughs> and what were your uh, worst three this season? Uh, I put in mine uh, the Neto disallowed goal versus Liverpool. I was proper gutted at that because um, it was it was it was exciting, wasn't it? When he scored that goal, I feel so he sorry for him. Last minute, best moment. Best moment of his life for all of about 30 seconds, and it was just snatched away from him. And also, because I thought, I th- would that that would have we took the lead? In that we game? took the lead we, in that game, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 will we? Will we no, 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 it was, it was, no, 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 um, we were 1 0 down, it? weren't we? That yeah. was 1 0 yeah. down, and yeah, it was just before half time, wasn't it? Because weren't they giving a goal from VAR as well? Yeah, when Van Dijk handballed it on the yeah. halfway line, wasn't it? Yes, when Marne mm. scored, that was it. So that was that just annoyed me, to be fair. And um, all, I'd also put like a long shot double on us to beat City and Liverpool. And when that when that goal was chalked off, I thought, oh, it's not going to come in this bet. Mm. It's gutted. Um, then I've also got Sheffield United the way because that was a bit of a kick in the ball sack, wasn't it? To be honest, at the time. And then. <laughs> I thought it was my worst moment. I just put Burnley, the Burnley away penalty oh, when yeah. um, that was given. But also in the wider context, I just I, BBC could just not not be allowed to have any Premier League games again. I think I was more I was just in a general state of annoyance that game because BBC were terrible. Dion Dublin kept talking about the city of Burnley and oh, I guess yeah. which, which houses he wanted on. What's he on? Homes under the hammer. Uh, yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he, I just got sick of him talking about it. I got sick of the BBC's crap cut. I missed half a game because they were showing a replay of a goal kick or something ten seconds earlier. I was just, I was just, I was just fed up. By it, to be honest, I just got really annoyed. And then when Chris Wood missed that that open goal, I thought, oh well, you know, that's a bit of a silver lining. And then they get that penalty, and I just thought, well, yeah, of course, yeah, that sounds about right. Mm. But this game's gone. So that was just one that really ground my gears, Dave. Um, yeah, I'm uh, for my worst moments. All all of that for Burnley. That was everything I was concerned with, with Burnley. Uh, Sheffield United away, watching the telly. Corner comes up and just remember muttering to myself, "Don't give it away, don't give it away, don't give it away." Ah, they gave it away. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Liverpool away again, just because of the like again for Neto's VAR. Just thinking, we're going to get a good result here. And I think if you look even with how that game went on, when Liverpool were pending for the last twenty minutes and they draw away. Had a chance in the right at the end when it was looked like it probably was going to go top corner, and I think um, it hit somebody. I remember thinking, if that's one all, we're going to beat Liverpool at Anfield here against the, the team that is going to win the league. So that what was more annoying with that one. Uh, let's do best moments. Let's have a smile on our face. Best moments. Let's go back around the opposite way. Add uh, your three best moments of the season. See we play. Uh, I put the first one. I put because I'm obviously a bit of a pedant fanboy, I put the, his first start against Everton because he just he ran wild, didn't he? He was yeah. like a little mini mini Hulkamania that game. He was, ru- he was running wild all over. You had Everton. your little pedant flag in the Price household. I was, I was doing the t-shirt ripped with pedants underneath <laughs> and everything. 
I just, cause I've, I've prattled on about him for so long. I was just happy that he got his chance, and obviously he took it because I think he's pretty much been in the team ever since. So, yeah, yeah thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I put Besiktas away as well because that was when we really kind of put firework under our Europa League campaign there. Because I think the first game we got we got sort of caught on sucker punch with with Braga. Um, which kind of we was all we were all excited for the Europa League group stage, and when we lost the first game, so like, oh, okay, might, this might be a bit trickier than what we thought. But then after when we had played Besiktas, um, when we got when Bolly got that goal at the end, that was just like lift off now mm. the Europa League campaign, and also just because it was Bolly with a great control and finish as well, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Um, but the best moment I caught uh, was was the Man City home game three two, just because of the sheer emotion that like, the game brought. I think I was I was a bit teary-eyed at the end. I was just so emotional about it because it was just one of those where everything was against us, um, and that's in a way that's kind of how we like it. And at Molyneux, and uh, it was just the, the character of the team shows the atmosphere in the ground. It's just, it was all just just come together. Um, and then when I remember when we drew two two. The guy in front of me was just, oh, we've got to shut up shop now. We'll keep the draw. We'll, let's just get out of here with the draw. And I just was just shouting his face. No, cough. We can get the winner now. We'll get the just having to shouting that literally quite up in his face. Actually, going, what are you talking about? We can win this now. And then when the goal went in, I just dived on top of him and just telling him that, oh, see, see, we could win it. I just, I just remember being full of emotion. So that's pretty much why I put that one at the top. Uh, Matt, what uh, put a smile on your, th- in your on your face thrice this season? Thrice. Um, so I'll start with the, the three-two with City. It was one of those, as far as raw emotion up there, as one of the best in the the Nuno era for me. And it had everything as well. It was like a proper Shakespearean drama. You had the sending off, um, the encroaching, the penalty, the saves, the comeback. It just had everything. It was really just. If you were to show a game to an alien who's never seen football, that would be the game I'd show them because it was just so intense. Um, Braga 3, Wolves 3 away. So it was my first um, ever European away day. Um, and again, this was just a, you know, a bizarre set of circumstances. The weather, like torrential rain, my like memories I'll never forget. Um, being in this sports bar in Porto with loads of Wolves fans singing Vulo Vu by ABBA. Like, it's just, it was just phenomenal. Really, really fantastic. Um, and then Spurs away, the 3-2 win for Wolves. The kind of comeback Kings, really. And, and it really felt like redemption after, um, after the home game. Um, and I just think Spurs, for me, is a club that, oddly, I know a few, quite a few people that support Spurs. And it's always nice to get one over on, 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 on people, you know, that, when you have that friendly banter. And that, at the time, really felt like, OK, now we're kicking on now. We are starting to come over these you know difficult games these um these games where we have gone behind we're showing real grit and character here and we did that and it, and it just felt amazing especially with the manner in which like Jimenez scored the um the winner uh George what were your top under trois performances of this season um <clears throat> for myself I would say perceiving that's away cause we went into that game with not a lot of form either, and we were—I we were, wouldn't say we were—well, we were struggling actually in the league. So let's not, you know, beat around the bush. Uh, we didn't make that great of a start, 
and everyone was saying, oh, they're doing a Burnley, they're doing a Burnley. So actually to go there and win the last minute how we did was fantastic. Um, to follow that up, Man City away, like three days later, just winning at the Champions 2-0. These weren't just the Champions, these were like, you know, this is a Man City that scored, like, got 100 points, I think, the season before. Like, they were, you know, them and Liverpool were just so far above. And I know they were rested a few players that day, or we rotated, and I think that a lot of Wolves fans, including myself, I thought we were going to get an absolute catering. Um, but to go there, do a job on them, and to win in the manner we did, it wasn't a fluke. We deserved it, and um, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then I'll go with something different because you know Man City at home is obvious um, as well. But we've already covered that. For me, Villa at home was another one I quite enjoyed, mm. just because. Just because they just talk shite, don't they? All of Villa fans, honest to God, um, you know, it's getting it all. You know, I think you know, obviously they were going to do a Wolves and finish in the top ten, and they're all this big club, blah 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 blah, and they were just absolute bollocks, weren't they? Like we absolutely battered them. So that was quite a nice humble pie, really, and uh, I quite enjoyed myself quite smugly watching that game. So we'll add that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for my kind of top three, I think I'm, I'm putting both Man City's down, both home and away. I think more for the away performance, it was the it was the ultimate shithousery, wasn't it, of uh, snap and grab, as it were. It was, I just I think I saw highlights of both the goals the other day, and just the way we came, just the way Jimenez slides through people, and then Traoré's just there bombing forward, slides at home, and it's just I think it's more his reaction for the first goal, where you can see he's like, yeah, I'm here. How about that? He, he almost like announced himself to the world with both those goals. And you could see it in his face that he was almost in there for a year, the first year. He was trying to prove that he is this person. And that was the moment that he said, I am this good. Watch out because I'm coming for you. Um, and I'd say, I mean, I've mentioned Besiktas so many times in the recent pods. But again, that was a special moment for me. Not only, you know, just watching that at home with my dad and having those, you know, those nights growing up when you, you have crying in front of the radio over the playoff semi-finals thinking, you know, we're never going to make it to the Premier League. But also just thinking, I can't believe I'm watching a European game, Wolves in a competitive European game. And then how that ended with Bolly's goal at the end uh, was incredible. That was a really special night for me just to know that that has happened and I've seen that in my lifetime at least and that we've we achieved such a result. Uh, gents, let's move on to, uh, before we get uh, into the break, Let's talk about performances. Um, I want to kind of go through best, worst and most improved performances from individuals this season. We'll reveal the Fancast player of the season result as well. The Ballon d'Or of Wolves results. It's the one they all, all want, of course. Um, but uh, let's go around the room. Uh, Matt, let's start with you. I want your um, top, well, your three, your best performance, your worst and your most improved. Um. I'd say the best performer for me, you can't really look for personally like ahead of him and really just for what he's done, the goals he's scored, the amount of goals he's scored, records set for Wolves at least, um, and how crucial he has been for us um, in regards to the success, and I'll call it success that we've had this season. Um, you know, I, I don't think. And it would keep me up in nights and cold sweats that if we'd have had a lengthy injury with him, what would have happened to our season? Mm. Um, it's, not, it's not worth thinking about. Um, in terms of worse, it's got to be uh, Vallejo. Mm. 
I know we didn't have him for a, an extended period of time, but his impact was so poor that he, he wins the award, uh, the Ballon <laughs> Poor, you might say. <laughs> um, I mean, just as a side, as a side note, I took someone with me to the Reading game in the Cup who had never been to a game of football in his life, barely watched football, barely understood the sport in general. And even he said, he's shit, isn't he? And that just summed it up like for, for this player for me. And Vallejo um, heard that in the stand and thought, right, that's it, I'm retiring. I'm walking I'm off. done. I'm getting, I'm getting the hell out of here. Um, what a game to take him to as well. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. What a game well, it's, it's funny because I, like, my wife's only been to two games with me and um, one of them was uh, Leicester in the Cup when we lost on penalties. Not, last, not this season, the season before. Oh, yeah. And before that... <laughs> was the League Cup against Barnet. So she's not exactly seen the dizzying heights of... The bright lights of the League Cup, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for kind of most improved, um, it's a toss-up really, but I'm going to throw a, a curveball out in Patricio, in a way. Okay. Because okay. Uh, there were major criticisms last season for as good as a keeper as he is. Um, his distribution was was poor. So that was like a, what a lot of people was, would say. Um, and I think that has definitely been improved on to the point where now he's in the conversation as one of the best, not only in the league, but worldwide. Um, so I'm going to throw that little curveball out there and say I think Patricia is actually the most improved in our squad. Uh, George, your three, best, worst, most improved? Um, best performer of the season for me, um, being an advocate for it, um, Rui Patricia for me. Um, Echoing sort of Matt's thoughts, he got a bit of stick last season um, for his distribution, and it really wound me up to the fact of I know I wasn't on the, you know, I know I wasn't on the podcast last year to voice it, but it was pretty obvious what you know. Basically, the tactic was aim for Doherty, and that you know that I get sort of the pitch, but not, you know if he overhit it or Doherty missed ahead, then obviously it looked like his distribution was poor. But people were like, oh, we can't kick a ball. He can. He was just aiming at one player, and what actually helped him was. When Dendonka, when we moved to 3 5 2, Dendonka went over there as well. So then his distribution actually, well, all of a sudden his distribution was okay. But it was just because he had another six foot plus bloke to aim for. But this season, um, some of the saves, I just think he's so consistent. And any good team or any like title winning team or cup winning team, whatever you want to say, have all got fantastic goalkeepers. And I can't tell you or can't think of a, a, a mistake he's made. I mean, you know, granted, you know, maybe there's the odd one where he could have come off his line quick or could have commanded his box a bit better. But for me, he's just an unbelievable goalkeeper and we're so lucky to have him because he's like, for me, as an all-round goalkeeper, he's definitely in the top three in the Premier League. And But I only put Edison and Allison in that conversation with him because of their distribution. But then you saw Edison against Leon on... Uh, Saturday night and Patricia would never have done that like old pop of hands so um, yeah for me Patricia is my player of the season worst player of the season I'm going to throw a curveball in as well because it's too obvious to say Vallejo or anyone like that I, I suppose the most underwhelming player for me this season has been Diogo Jota um, ok I can see that um, so he's I've, I said it earlier on this season he's, he's my favourite Wolves player Um in this current squad, not because he's not by all means he's not the best player, but he's just so tenacious. You know, he you know you can see a real hunger and desire. And for me, he epitomises everything I want to see in a footballer playing for Wolves. Like you know, hardworking, driven, got a bit of quality, but also 
you get to, you, someone kicks him, he'll go straight back through them and he'll pick a card up, a bit of a shit house, which is fantastic. Um, but I think, especially post lockdown, he's just, I don't know, it's like he's not, I don't know, it's like he's forgot to kick a ball. He goes through phases and he jotter. He's very I hot find. and cold. He's very hot and cold. But like post lockdown, um, I think it was mentioned on the last pod where it was like Space Jam where they took his powers away from him. But it, it is like that. Literally, every time he gets the ball now, like his head, he doesn't look up. His head's down. He's just running straight. He doesn't look up and he trips over the ball. It runs too far. Or um, for me, he's been yeah, not very underwhelming season for me for Jota. Um, especially on the pedestal I'll put him on. Yeah, there's, there's two things with Jota there that we kind of forget. He almost had that great period in February where he scored two hat-tricks back-to-back in Europa and he also yeah. got those two against Norwich where he probably should have got a hat-trick. And then obviously lockdown perhaps came at the wrong time, but also maybe the formation doesn't suit him. He seems to play better as a two up top than a three. And if you put him out wide, it just doesn't seem to play to his strengths. Yeah, no, he's definitely better in a two. Um, but yeah... For me, just underwhelming. Yeah, he's been a bit underwhelming this season. And I hope, I know there's loads of cries that we need to grade on him and, we could, you know, he could be the one to sell and stuff. But for me, give him another season. I think there is a player in there. I just think he's just had a bit of, he's just out of form and I'm happy to stick with him on that. Um, most, most improved. improved. Um, Troy always a pretty obvious one um, to say in this, but I would go with Roman Sice. Because he's just missed the versatile, isn't he? And mm-hmm. I think that when Bolly fractured his leg, um, ankle, sort of, we all panicked a little bit, thinking, you know what, we're going to be in trouble now. And Bolly, because Bolly is that good, but Sois slotted into that left centre half role. And for me, he's so underrated as a footballer. Yeah, he's, you know, he's got a yellow card on him, granted, but he's, um, he slots in anyway. And I don't think he, I don't think he ever lets us down really. And um, I can't remember him having a, a poor game this season. I mean, someone might be able to pick one out. But off the top of my head, I can't remember a poor, poor game he's had this season. So for me, he'd be my uh, most improved player. How about you? Your, your three there of you. So the best one first. You, you can't look too far past the, the guy with 27 goals and 10 assists, can you? With Raul, because he's just... Where would we be without him, really? Because uh, he's a, he's literally our only striker. Sometimes we've got we've got in the squad, and as Matt says, you know that without if if he would have got got a red card at any point or a bad injury, God knows what we're about to have done or where we'd have been without him. And we've been good for each other, really, both player and club. You know when. Since we signed, I remember when we signed him, people kind of didn't know too much about him, or you know, they had their eyes glued to that to that World Cup, and he only made a fleeting appearance. And we thought, okay. But ever since we've had him, he's, he's had two great seasons. This season, even better than the, the one before it. He's just he's in his prime. Luckily, we've got him at his at his prime at the moment. He's 29 years old. We're getting. He, we're getting the best out of him. He's shown us the best abilities that he can do. Uh, he's just great. Yeah, he's just just we're just lucky to have him at the moment. You know, because just given all the goals that he scored for us and how he plays, 
it's kind of hard to find some these type of players sometimes who will, who will lead the line but can also do the things he does. Even trying the Rabona shot from 20 yards, 25 yards out the other game. Uh, so, yeah, you don't have to sort of state the case too much for Raul because, uh, yeah, he's just, he, he has been a, he has carried us at times this season, they've been our best performer. Uh, the worst one, um, I understand where, where George's coming from with, with Jota being underwhelming, but I can't, I think it can't put him in the worst performer when you're picking the worst players this season. I've, I know it's, it's obvious for a reason, you have, you have to pick Vallejo because, mm-hmm. He's literally he contributed nothing to the team at all, and there's a reason why. You know, we we just sent him back, and you know, give him a chance. I remember when 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 we signed him, and everyone was. I don't profess to know anything about him. I don't really know how many people can know too much about him at the time, but he was saying that he must be good because he's Spain's under 21 captain. Well, it doesn't automatically make you a good footballer, and and he showed that he was terrible and. I think it was that Reading game, I'm sure of it. He was just, he was getting booked. He was just he was spanking the ball out of play. Just, I, I couldn't see any redeeming features of him whatsoever. I just thought, who, who is this guy? And I think we all, I just, we all got overhyped, didn't we, when we saw Real Madrid do their official kind of communication tweet about a player leaving, thinking, bloody hell, we're in that world now. Real Madrid are talking about Wolves in that tweet. Well, we could sign anyone from, from Real Madrid Reserves. It doesn't mean they're any good, you know. It's just, as is what's been born out, the proof was in the pudding. He, he was he was terrible. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, that's a bit of a no-brainer for me, to be honest. And um, Matt's curveball, for most improved player, Matt's curveball is my curveball as well. I've, I've put Rui mm. in there because, um, as has been said, um Last season, there was a couple of instances whereby I think he was beaten at his near post, or there was some occasions where some it was accused that he could have done better. And then again, yeah, with the goal kicks, there was some points made there as well. But um, this season, he's been so dependable. He's he's saved us on a couple of occasions, making some absolutely great saves. Um, he's shown. You know, we can see why he's Portugal's number one. And I agree that you know, you know team, teams like Chelsea are paying seventy-two million pounds for, for terrible keepers, and, and then we've got Patricio, you know, a national mm. team's number one, who you know has been the national team's number one for a long time now. Has a statue of him back in the hometown. Um, I just think. This season, he's just he's just shown this season that as, as to what a quality keeper he is. Is maybe you could say we were for the first season that you know it was an, an adaptation period for him. Um, let's not forget, you know, he's his, you know probably the first first time he's really sort of altered his surroundings by playing in a, a new country. But um, it's pro, you know it's properly it's part of the furniture now, and you can see he's so comfortable in marshalling his, his defence. Uh, it's such a good shot stopper, excellent reflexes. Um, yeah, from where he was last season to where he is now, you can quite clearly say he's he's been the most improved now and he's turned into one of our most consistent players. I guess that's my only concern about Patricia going forward. Is I think you know it's when the, the Chelsea fan cast mentioned it on the, the post Chelsea pod. To me, Patricia feels like he's going to turn into a bit of Van, like a Van der Sar when he went to Fulham. Felt like a bit of a strange move. He felt like he was too good for Fulham, and he could easily be a top four goalkeeper. And that perhaps if he continues his good form, which we all hope he does, that perhaps a 
top forty might go. Hang on a second, we need a new keeper. He's a ready-made, world-class, you know, European, you know, international tournament-winning goalkeeper. Let's nab him. Possibly. I mean, I mean, with the Van der Sar thing as well, he went to Man U quite late in his career, didn't he? I think he ended up staying there till he was about, was it four, 40, nearly, something yeah. like that. So, yeah, how old is he now, Patricio? He's probably... 32, isn't he, I think? Roughly. No one's Googled oh, that, have they? No, I, I, think he, I think he's 32, 33, isn't he? So he's 32, yeah. So, um, we can, you know, that's still... Oh, it's it prime time really for a, for a goalkeeper, thirty thirty odd years old. So you know he's, he's still got a couple of years with, with him with us if he wants to stay that long. Of course, um, as long as we progress, then there's no reason for him to stay. But I mean, yeah, it, it, the danger is there that some a top six team will cotton on to the fact that you know he is he is pretty is pretty good. But you know. Chelsea just seem to find a way of just spending lots of money on uh, on someone else, hopefully, because we we, we need to get the the most out of Patricio while while he's here. Um, and hope you know, hopefully, hopefully he does. Hopefully, with the season behind him next year, you know, we, we continue to see that consistency from him. Makes you feel bad, doesn't it, that when you see someone like Rui Patricio, who's 32, 33, and have someone of a similar age, you know, there's no statue of me anywhere. And, you know, Rui Patricio's got a statue in Portugal. And you're thinking, what's going wrong in life where he's got a you statue? Know, and I, there's no you you know, bronze statue of me outside my house. You know, you might have a statue of you in Burkina Faso somewhere. We've got seven Bancast fans in Burkina Faso. Yeah, that, that's, you know, it's our kind of cult area of Bancast listeners <laughs> there. There's a bronze statue of me with a microphone out there. All right, it is a bumper edition of the podcast. We've talked about this season. And while we take a break, why don't you have a bit of a break, everybody? And in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about the summer to come and how Wolves need to prepare for another... Answer me this. How long have you had that mattress? Because it's looking even lumpier than my lockdown love handles. And while those might be more cuddly, a lumpy mattress is doing nothing for your comfort levels or your sleep. So whatever body you're rocking, put it on a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in. That includes a Nectar mattress, mattress protector, cooling pillows, and sheet set, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com and get hugged. Hey, it's David here. Now, I know you. You love a bloody good website, don't you? Look, come on, you do. You like a good website. If you're on your phone, you're on your computer thinking, I want to see a bloody good website. I'm going to go find one right now. If you want a bloody good website and you want one for yourself, for your business, why don't you go check out our sponsors, pixelyetimedia.com. They don't just do websites, of course. They do loads of different things for your marketing needs, such as design work and brochures. And they do our website as well, wallsfancast.com. It's a really good design. We're really pleased with the work over at the guys at pixelyetimedia.com. So, again, you're looking at some websites, you're thinking, oh, I really want a website that looks that good just for me and my business. Why don't you go check them out right now at pixelyetimedia.com. Com. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We In part one of this podcast, we just talked about our season review and how basically we need to adopt Ian Holloway's Blackpool tactics. So Nuno, take notes. That's what you do next season. Part two, we're looking at the summer to come and what Wolves need to do in the transfer window to get ready for another Premier League season. Gents, a bit of homework I gave you on this conundrum called going, gone and in between. I wanted you to pick a player from the current squad that you think will be definitely gone this summer would one that will be a surprise exit, or what I like to call the Barry Douglas effect, um, or one that perhaps is a bit in between. You wouldn't be surprised if he stayed, but you wouldn't be surprised if he went. George, I'm coming to you first. Just give us a quick rundown of your three. We'll do this with everybody, then we'll all, all discuss. Give us a quick rundown of uh, your, your gone, going, and uh, maybe. Um, gone. I've gone for Morgan Gibbs White. Mm-hmm. Going, I've gone for Max Kilman. Ooh, okay. And maybe I'm going for Raul Jimenez. A bit of Jimenez. Uh, Matt, who are you three? Um, I've cheated a little bit here. Sorry. What, so, because you de- know transfers already. He's got ITK, everyone. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> I do. Uh, no, definitely gone. I've, I've, I've put, I've put, I I'm not sure there is anybody without additions coming in. I think because of um, the squad being the way it is, without anybody coming in, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody is marked for the exit. If I'm honest, at this point, surprise exit would be would be Nuno himself. Mm-hmm. Um, without the backing, um, I can see him not wanting to continue the project. I'm not questioning his commitment, but I'm just think being realistic that without the backing in the transfer market, I think there's a possibility he might not want to continue the project. Um, and either way, could be would be Jota. Not really hit his stride consistently. Um, and for our ambitions, that's not going to be good enough going forward. And who are you three? Uh, my player definitely gone. I have picked Brexit Bennett. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that uh, Nuno's kind of showed his, um, his hand with that one, really. And unfortunately, really, because I do really like Ryan Bennett. I think... Um, he's been great for us, really. He's been he's had a great three years with us. Uh, but I think if Nino's going to allow him to go out on loan, and there was a permanent deal in place there for mm. him to go to Leicester if he played the right number of games, then I think Ryan's on the wall for him, unfortunately. Um, surprise exit. Uh, I've actually I've, I've put Say staying because I just think that defence would be an area that we'll be looking at to get some, you know, natural defenders in. And I just, and I just thought maybe then, because, you know, sometimes we we'll, we'll always get one every, every season where someone will go, we're not really expecting, like you said, the Barry Douglas thing. And I don't know, I just, I kind of, it's just one, I just thought kind of, could it happen? Might it happen? I thought, well, if we start spending on, on defenders, we, we might need some extra funds. Maybe he might get sold, but, I also did put down as Dendonk as a surprise exit as well, mainly because he just never looks happy. <laughs> so I just thought maybe he just doesn't like it living around here anymore. And he Who would not like the city of dreams? Who would not like it? <laughs> so yeah, I put, I put a bit of a cheat really. I only put two down. And then either way, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes if he stays. I did put Raul, to be fair, because I could understand both scenarios happening. Mm. I can understand if he stays because he's adored by fans and his teammates 
alike. Like I said, as, as I said before, we bought the best out of him, and then he's been good for us. It may be stage because he's just had a child, don't know. But on the flip side, I can also understand if he goes because he's 29, he might get a sniff of a last big move. Uh, you know, the transfer mill is in full swing, talking about United, Juventus, etc., etc., will be in, uh, interested. So that one, if either, if everything happens, I'll just go, yeah, fair enough. Mm. I, can, I, can, I can see that happening. Uh, so my three definitely gone. I've actually gone for him in there. It's definitely gone. I just really can't see him being here next season. I just think the law of uh, Juventus more likely will be there for him. I think George Mendes will be sending the rubbing your hands together with money uh, symbol, emoji symbol on the text messages. Uh, my surprise exit, I think Doc might be the surprise exit. Mm-hmm. Now, my main reason for this is I think perhaps will they look at him? I know, don't get me wrong, I think he's a, a great player. I think Nuno has said it in, in interviews recently how great he is. I just wonder whether they'll look at someone like Doc and think they can get perhaps better than him going forward for the team to, to strengthen. Um, and I, I know he's been linked with Spurs previously. I just wonder whether they'll... If they look at Doc and think he's probably at the maximum potential cash-wise to get for that type of player, will they look to cash in and get in what they may see as a better play for going forward. Uh, and my, my maybe one is Troy Rallway. It's almost like the same reason I had you go about um, Jimenez. I could easily see him staying and teams looking and going, yeah, he's had a great breakout season, but perhaps he needs to show it again for another season to prove the worth of what he's probably being valued at. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if um, he went and somebody went for the risk and, and paid the 100 million and we all just laugh our way to the bank. For that amount of money, um, for those three, does it, is there anybody anybody wants to kind of put their mask on to say out of those that will definitely happen this summer? As in, someone's definitely going to go, someone's definitely going to perhaps be in the maybe pile, someone's definitely going to be that surprise exit. I'm definitely staking the Bennett one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think Bennett that's one. fair. I think that's fair. Um, for me, I think with Gibbs White, I think. He has to go for his career. Mm. Um, even if it's on loan, which I'd be quite happy with, because he needs to play games. He absolutely needs to play games. He's at that point now where, you know, we've seen on, you know, to go back to social media, he's getting sick on Twitter um, from Wolves fans. Can we also make a point of that? I know, Georgie, you made a point on Twitter about this. That is so ridiculous, some of the stick he's getting. Oh, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, to be honest with you. Like, he's like, what, 19, 20 years old. He's got a girlfriend and they're not, he's just, he's just having fun, like, like we do. Like, if I put a photo up with my missus, I won't get, expect to say, oh, you can't do that. You haven't, you haven't sold enough solutions today, mate. You know, people from work in this stick. You know what I mean? It's exactly the same principle. You know, oh, you can't enjoy yourself. You, you haven't hit your targets this week. Well, you'd say, fuck off, wouldn't you? <laughs> So no, and that's what you know, and I know that that's exactly what he should be doing, um, and I know he has been doing that. So for me, I think there's a lot of frustration around him in terms of everyone can see his potential, and he just hasn't, he just hasn't gone to that next level. But I think a lot of that is because he probably hasn't had the game time or enough of a run in the team to say, yeah, he's not, he's not that level, or you know, to prove himself. So. I think he could quite, I could quite easily see him at like a top end championship club, even a low end Premier League team, getting some minutes. That's, that's the point, isn't it, as well, mm. George? Like, because he's got, he's, he's in the, the the sights of 
of the of the fans on the wrong end of it, and it but he doesn't he doesn't get chance to play to put no. it right. So, mm. so that's, that's 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 his downfall. If he was playing, he could turn people around by performances, but uh, th- yeah, that's that's just where he falls down. He's just he's not he's not close to starting, is he at all? Um, no, and he does he doesn't fit our system. Let's be honest. Well, uh, sorry, he does. He does fit the system when we play a three-five-two because we're crying out for a number ten. Everyone can see that. But if Nuno's not going to play Gibbs White in the number ten role, then Nuno obviously doesn't think he's good enough. That's that's my viewpoint on it. So for me, that's why I can see he needs to go out and play games at the very minimum. But if you know if we end up selling him, we'd get up, we'd end up getting a decent amount of money from because he's English and he's part of that England under seventeen mm. World Cup winning team. So he's got a pedigree there as well. So. In, in whatever capacity he's got to go this summer for me. Is there a, a counter to that though that because he's English and because he's young Wolves may need to keep him for that quota? There is but if you're not going to play him then you might as well just name a 16 year old you know what I mean you might as well you might as well like list Terry Taylor on there and you know because Gibbs White I mean he hasn't does he even come off the bench post lockdown or did he come on for a minute or probably come on as a minute isn't he and it's like you know so he, Nuno obviously didn't fancy him so he might like for me get him out on loan give him let's see what we can do no uh, no Wolves fan could tell me you know I, I think he's underperformed in a Wolves shirt but no Wolves fan can definitively tell me he's not good enough because we don't know we generally don't know I love that name, Terry Taylor. It sounds like a 1920s journalist. Terry Taylor here, I've got a hot scoop for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, is anyone on yours, if you, anything you, you're going to put your mask to, the, that is going to happen, either anyways? Um, apart, from, apart from the obvious, it's like, like Bennett. I hope, if we, if we had any ruddy news, green-fingered ruddy news, um, <laughs> because we've obviously, we signed... He um, signed uh, an extension, didn't they? Did he sign an extension? Well, I mean, I think yeah. it's fantastic for the, for the morale of the team anyway. And obviously he, he seems really invested um, in kind of the, the morale and the bulk of the team. Uh, it certainly has been for some of the Italian dining establishments, because every time I seem to go, he seems to be there, whatever, <laughs> one in particular in Wolverhampton. Um, I think Morgan Gibbs-White, I think, will have to go and will go. And um, for all the reasons that Jordan stated, really... Um, unjustly criticised because of, you know, yes, he was a bit of a naughty boy during lockdown and that's been hammered out in the press, you know, to the nth degree. But for the sake of his career and for the sake of Wolves, really, the benefit that Wolves would reap by getting him on a season-long loan at Fulham or someone that would benefit from long first-team football um, and then we will reap the benefits of it if we bring him back for another season. so I think, sorry, Morgan Gibbs White, but you'll be clearing your locker out before long. Uh, I am still. I'm going to put my master doc still. Don't be surprised if Mr. Doherty is not a Wolves player next season. Uh, let's do incomings, gentlemen. Uh, obviously, it's a, uh, going to be a, a decisive transfer window for Wolves this summer. I want to talk about where we need to strengthen. But my question, firstly, and I'll come to you, Ad, on this one: Do you think this is a defining window for Wolves in terms of? whether they can make that next step up and go into the trajectory that Fosen seems seemingly want the team to go into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's pretty much accepted that the last two windows 
have been poor. So last summer window, obviously Vallejo, terrible, lone cut short. Catrone just didn't work out mm. all all round. Jordao barely plays, although I know you have to factor in his injury into that. Neto was obviously the, the positive one. He's looking, obviously looks promising. And then Pedence in the, in the, the winter window, but he's he was obviously made to wait for his chance. But obviously, since he's been getting more game time, he's been looking very promising as well. So obviously, the main one there was just the sum, that last summer window where we barely strengthened the, the, the squad really from from last season. Um, so this season. It will be defining because obviously we, we, we no we can't offer European football, but again I'm not I I I, I really don't think that will alter the our project too much or our vision too much because players now can see what overall path that, that we're on, um, and can see the type of you know see see the type of football that we play can see. The heart dressing room harmony. You can you can see we're, we're a good club to play for, and that's been well that's been played out well in the media for whole whole season long. You know we're most people's second club, or you know sort people's soft spots. So it will be a defining one because it's got to be it, we've got to now strengthen the squad to get us into a top six minimum position. And I say minimum because you know we we really expect us to be there this season given how we played. So that's the thing that both the players and fans will be looking at. Obviously, the players will want to get back into to Europe straight away because obviously it's good for them both commercially and financially to get back into Europe. So uh, obviously we'll, we'll probably go into a minute of of you know where we need it, but I think obviously straight away we need a Johnny replacement. Um, because our Johnny's broken <laughs> at, the <laughs> at the moment, so that's I mean, obviously, big chance for Vinagre uh, next season. He, he this is his time to shine, but I, there will obviously still be uh, recruitment in in that area. Um, naturally, also in in midfield and 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 striking option, another striking option as well. But absolutely, yeah, massive massive window, and we do have, we do have to get this one right this time round. I know um, post severe on his athletic piece, Tim Spears seemed to make a point that it felt like a bit of changing of the guard um, with the team, um, with Martinho coming off so early and, and Jota coming on so late. George, do you think that perhaps, you know, we, we probably need to see that next level signing from Wolves to show that statement of intent next season? Um, we've got to get it right this summer because... Um, as it's been touched on, the last two windows have been bang average, to put it politely. Um, for us to make that next step, um, and I suppose, and I'm guessing, I mean, what does good look like next season? Realistically, they're going to want to be pushing for the top six, but are going to be looking at top four again. And I think that you got Liverpool and Man City who are miles ahead of everyone. And then I think that Chelsea, yeah, they've got to sort out the defence and the keeper situation, but I'm sure they'll do that. But, you know, Werner, Ziyech have unbelievable additions to that, that, that team going forward, which is already pretty good. Man United, I know they lost last night, but um, there's no doubt in that Oli's got them playing back in the Fergie way. So I think it's going to be near impossible breaking that top four next season. But... For us to even 
challenge that. I think we've got to spend. I think we need at least five, and by five, I mean five quality additions. And yeah, we almost need that new marquee signing or signings, to put it plurally. Um, so I've got a feeling, and I mentioned it before on the podcast, and I think I got shut down a little bit, but I think that this squad that we've currently got has arguably hit its ceiling, like in terms of the playing mm. squad we've got. I'm not sure whether what we've currently got can get break that top four um, because we haven't got enough quality in depth. It feels like a sixth, seventh place squad, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think that we've got to invest to to do that. And, you know, with FFP, you know, FFP and all that sort of stuff, it's... Um, Maybe we need to sell one to actually take us to that next level, which is why I do think that we will lose him and as myself personally. If eighty million comes on the table, I think they'll look at that and go, right, we're going to add that to um, what we've got as our budget, and we're going to just invest because it seemed like Nuno. It was a sort of at the end of that severe game. It was like, well, we need to spend, and you need to back me. He's only got twelve months left on his contract, so if we don't back the project or back or match Nuno's ambitions. He could walk into any big club, couldn't he? Let's be honest with you. Um, so if we don't match it, I think he'd quite easily walk and he'd get snapped up pretty quickly. So you're telling me that Taliska, it's finally happening. Taliska's coming I mean, home, everybody. I mean, I'm sort of past Taliska now. Um, you know, Andre Silva. Re- <laughs> yeah, I'm past him as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His chance. I still remember after Billy Sharp and Andikio, so uh, maybe Billy Sharp can come in and play second fiddle to Raul. Who knows? Chris Wood, finally. We get Chris Wood after every year we're linked uh, with him. He always Jeff, scores faster, so it could Jeff, do worse. <laughs> um, Matt, where do you think we need to strengthen? If I was, if you were giving kind of positions in that team, uh, where is it the Wolves are going to target this summer? Well, I'm relying on our excellent um, medical team to get Johnny patched up in an almost John Cena-like level of um, injury healing because I haven't gone for anything kind of right, left wing back or anything like that. It's funny that you mentioned actually a changing of the guard because that's exactly where this kind of Nuno journey started really, where I think we need to strengthen the spine of the team, centre-back, centre-midfielder and a striker. Um those three areas, you know, if Bolly if Bolly gets an early injury in the season, though, Stace stepped in and had a fantastic um, run and and really helps us in that position. Um, we'd be so exposed if Bolly got a, got a, another season or half season long injury. Um, Matinho is obviously really in the swan song of his career now, and whilst um, we all are amazed on on a weekly basis of some of the things he can do. We are starting to see that he's every bit the 34 years old that he is now. I think he is. Um, and, and a striker, um, just because we can't rely on the Iron Man that is Jimenez. If he stays, we can't rely on him to do exactly what he's done again this season and he might potentially go. Um, and I think, you know, competition always brings out the best in people and he has had very little. So let's see what we can do if we bring in a striker to actually knock on the door of getting in the squad, someone that we can actually utilise potentially as a 10 as well, if needs be, and, and give us that bit of creative outlet that I think we have lacked a little bit this season. 
Yeah, I think definitely with them. Um, with Matinho as well, I've just got looking through some of our team stats. Matinho has actually played more minutes than Jimenez this season. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's only behind Patricio, which you can't really count as a goalkeeper. He's only behind Cody, really, for outfield players. And like I say, he's 33, about to turn 34. And you think, well, as Matt said, he's, he's the GOAT, obviously. But And we're amazed that we've, got, we've had him for the last two years. But he's not, he's not going to be the future of the team, is he? Is we we need to bring in someone who's going to be his successor, you know, and, and next season it will be that change. Ideally, it would be that changeover where our marquee central midfielder, you know, dovetails in with Matinho, with a view to taking over, you know, taking over from him, or we just, just we make a statement signing and then and Matinho is the one that comes on from the bench. You know, it's, it's just a key area as well as up front is that of where we need the improvement and, and the increase in numbers. If there was a particular player this summer, you think, you know what, I'd really like Wolves to go after that person, sign him up in the golden black. Who would you say? George, is there anybody that stands out for you, you think, really go after that person? Um, not Well, it's it's there's obviously dream players and dream signings, but it's if they're actually... Um, on our radar or actually gettable. For me, I'd, we need to get a number 10 in for me. And um, I sort of said it in January because he wasn't playing at the time and there's definitely no chance of getting that now. So I'm not advocating we're ever going to get him, by the way, before I say this. But like Phil Foden, like we need that number 10. Like we're desperate for a number 10, I think. So I think Nuno rather play the 3 5 2 because it feels a bit more defensively sound, like the spine of the team's more protected. Um, but for that to work, we definitely, we desperately need like a creative midfielder because it it breaks me watching Dendonka play there because he runs and he runs, but he he ain't gonna do a crowd turn, is he? Then again, though, he did that against Villa and put it in with his left foot. But you know what I mean? Sort of, we need that. You know what? We need like a Gaza, don't we? That's what I want to see. I want to see a bit of a maverick and someone who can just win a game on on you know like you know click your fingers and they've won the game and that's. The way we play and how pragmatic we are as a team in terms of Nuno style, which has got us to where we are, if he wants to continue playing that way in that system, we we need a bit. We need a magician. We just need something in that number ten role for me. So we need to go back in time and sign Peak Gaza. Yeah, sober Gaza though, not Ra- not the Ralmoat version. Uh, Adam, Matt, uh, anyone in particular for you thinking I really like Wolves to go after that person this summer? I'd been a, an advocate earlier in the season um, for Josip Ilicic of Atalanta, um, who is not in the prime of his career. He is 32, but I'm thinking as as um, as a second striker, backup for Jimenez, who has creative chops um, as well. Um, in Serie A this season, 26 appearances, 15 goals, eight assists um, in a club that is in a similar kind of position that we are as in not quite in the upper echelons of the of the league with your you know your Juve's and, and Roma's and the like um, but it's very very um, good in terms of being a target man um, being able to win the ball and actually spraying that ball about which is something that Nuno really covets um, and in a bit of drama um, very recently he um, he's actually been kind of forced out of football or, or voluntarily forced out of football because he, he 
he's caught his wife um, having an affair or something like that. And he, he kind of just isn't happy in his current state of mind. So why not come into the family of Wolverhampton where we, you know, it's not very often that we see that teammates uh, look unhappy. There seems to be a very like close knit family feel mm. come over, have a couple, a couple of seasons, have a, a payday in the UK um, and be part of the project. And, you know, I don't think he'd be expecting to be playing every game with Jimenez um, as our central striker. Um, but I think he, that's the kind of signing for me will show a big statement of intent. Someone that's done it on the European stage as well with Atalanta in the last few years. We've also got the second biggest Greggs in the country, so why not? <laughs> there you go. And we're going to get a Weatherspoons Museum, I believe. Exactly. So, so that's not selling it already. I don't know what is. Uh, before we finish on this bit, Ad, is there in particular for you that you like? Go get them, Jeff. Uh, nope. Okay. And on that bombshell... <laughs> I, I that, but... Do you know what I'm not as much as uh, I guess I should be really like when I'm thinking about players to get I'm not really that much of a connoisseur when it comes to knowing too much about your like players on the continent. I, you know, sometimes like when I we sign someone they go oh great player in the Bundesliga here or great player in Serie A and I just sometimes I just shrug my shoulders I've got, I don't know anything about them I will now go and look and find out all about them but for now if you want names and stuff I don't know I can't give you any Messi might be coming let's get him. Right, gents, as per usual on Fancast Style, it's time before the end of the podcast for the Fancast Quiz. It's the bloody hard quiz from Dan, as usual. And this time he's doing his usual uh, smash quizzes where you've got to try and amalgamate the names together. Uh, right, gents, I think maybe we'll do this as shout it out rather than write it down just for this one. Okay. Okay, okay, ready for this, everybody? If you're playing along at home, at WWFC Fancast on Twitter, uh, let us know how you've got on. Here we go. First question. A London monument that was the goalkeeper... Hang on. Hang on, let me read this again. London... Mo- Dan, I can't read, sorry. Uh, right, here we go again. London monument that was the goalkeeper we got our first league win against this season. That's how the question says. A London monument... That was the goalkeeper. We got our first league win against this season. I can't even think who we got our first league win against. Uh, London Monument. Yeah. Oh, um, is it Ben Cockfosters? Oh, can't say. Oh, that's no, not a monument, is it? Cock is a place. Isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tube, isn't it? Yeah, um, silly, silly me. Um, Dan's like, this is the answer. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the fact that you just worked Ben Cock Foster's into an answer because he's a cock, you know. <laughs> just wanted to call him a cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any clues, Dave? Uh, Sorry, uh, could you give us the team or not that we beat? Uh, okay, give I'll give you the team, and it should give you it straight away. Watford. It was Ben Foster. What's the London Monument? Big Ben Foster. There we go, Big oh, Ben Foster. Yeah. So I'd get to the point. Uh, right, next one. Right back signed in January and a cer- Sunday church song. Show, sorry. Yeah, can't get words out today. A right back signed in January and a Sunday church show. Hmm. 
This is a tricky one. Oh, I've got, yeah. This is a I tricky I've got one. It. I think I've got it. Luke Go Matheson. Luke Matheson's Songs of Praise. That's, the, that's it. Uh, that's the yes. one. That's the, the one. one. Right, next one. Uh, iconic 90s whale movie and our first player to be red carded this season. Free Willy Bolly. Free Willy Bolly. Yes. I think I think George got that in first. So I'll give him that one. Two one zero. Next one, scorer of our winning penalty versus Reading in the League Cup. So Matt, I'm looking at you on this. <laughs> and an American drama show about doctors. So winning penalty in the League Cup against Reading and American drama show about doctors. Ooh. It's one of those ones where if you can get either of them, then you should be able to easily get it. Confused faces right here on the fancast ER. zoom line. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make a guess because I'm thinking that the television show is ER. So is it Ruben Vinar ER? I don't know. Oh, it's close. It's oh. not that though. Oh. ER Asmussen. No. <laughs> George, do you want to guess before we pass it on? Oh, I think I was asleep by the time we put the last penalty in. Yeah, it's ready, and I can't remember. <laughs> it's Ruben Vernagre's Atomy. Vernagre's Atomy. I'm not good on Gray's Atomy. No. Um, right, next one then. A striker signed in August, which you may need to bury bodies. A striker signed in August, which you may need to bury bodies. I'm going to put an asterisk on this of questioning Dan on this one. I'm sure I've got it wrong. Oh, no, actually, I think Dan's right. Dan's always right. Ignore me. Uh, this is a tough one. Yeah, I, I can't even think of what makes sense. <laughs> you might be having like... to dip into your annual under 23s signings on this so it's not the pizza pasta man it's not the pizza pasta man yeah I was thinking of I was thinking of it okay um, oh okay um, oh under 23 man mm. uh, sure. no, it's, is it going to be ca- camp partner no what is it striker signed in August which you may need yeah. to bury bodies I think everyone's struggling with this oh, one. Um, oh, yeah, um, yeah, it's um, we all take the. Oh, she's mentioned a, a few times the player, um, Renat Dada Shovel. That's it, Renat oh, well Shovel. Well done, Ad. Two two zero. We're near the end here. Actor who played Inspector Gadget in the nineteen ninety nine movie, who is oh, awful dear. at defending. I don't know who played Gadget. <laughs> Who's played Inspector Gadget and he's also inf- awful at defending? Ooh. I'm leaning to Matt on this one for his Matt- oh, knowledge. Matthew, Matthew Broderick Miranda. That's it, yeah. Matthew mm-hmm. Broderick Miranda. 3 2 oh, lead there. Um, alternative name for our chairman's tibia. Beth Shimbone? Yes. <laughs> Come on. Jeff Shimbone. I think, um, I think that, um, George took the quiz anyway. Oof. But final question. Former British boxer and pantomime great who scored our first League Cup goal this season. Oh, 
Frank, Bruno, Jordao. That's it, yes. Matt's off the mark, at least, on that one. Well done, George. You get that last one of the season. Thank He'll you. have that trophy in his cabinet for all the time. <laughs> and we're going to finish off this bumper, bumper edition of the podcast with a fancast edition. It's Twitter Corner. You send us your questions at WGFC Fancast on Twitter, and we answer them. You can also email us podcast at gmail. Podcast at gmail, podcast at wolvesfancast.com if you've got a question <laughs> over the summer. Gents, we're going to try and fire these out. Uh, Jack or at JN13official on Twitter. Pineapple and pizza? Yay or nay? Matt's going for a yay. Add. 100%, no. yeah. Anyone who has pineapple on the pizza <laughs> needs the hard drive check-in. You what? Okay, I want to give the rebuttal here. Pineapple, pepperoni, it's the perfect um, oh, it's a perfect God. balance. It's a perfect balance oh, of sweet oh. and savoury. Trust oh, me. God. That no. piece would be on, on the floor in the bin. I think maybe once we're allowed to, we need to do a kind of meetup where we try this pepperoni pineapple pizza to see whether it is the tense taste sensation that um Well, whenever I've had it from Pizza Mahan at four in the morning with barbecue sauce on it, it's been a, just a pure delight. Uh, were, were Sam and Mark in Pizza Mahan? Or have they not been back since they uh, the little scuffle they had in there? Not since they were ousted by you on the podcast when we had them on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Dean, Dean Morrison says, does chocolate go in the cupboard or fridge? Uh, uh, another question of the cupboard or fridge debate. Cupboard well, for me. Cupboard. I am a convert on this one. Okay. I I was always uh, of a cupboard variety, hmm. but now it does go in the fridge. I am also of the fridge man as well. Mm. I've also been converted yeah. to the fridge, way to the fridge. Um, Alex Moore, former fan casting of this church, uh, says, and he's, it's another cracky one from him. It's a, definitely a theme. If you have to pick a team from the current squad to join your team on an episode of Crystal Maze, who do you pick and why? Now, these are the questions we need on this podcast. How many is the team? Is it, is it four or five? Five, I think. So I think you'd four, 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 four more people, yeah. Who are you picking on your Crystal Maze team? Right, I'm going for Joel Figueroa all day. Because um, okay. so, I think he, he'd be quite clever. He'd, do, he'd be able to do the skill games. Um, I'll go for Adama Traore for speed slash strength game. Yeah. Um, Connor Cody to be the captain of the team. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to pick Morgan Gibbs-White because I think he's had a rough year and I'm going to pick him as my fifth. Given the sympathy vote for the team, <laughs> he could be he could be good at the, in the dome at the end. We don't. Let's know. face it. Let's face it, George. If you have Morgan Gibbs White on your team, he's getting locked in. You're not buying him out, <laughs> still are you? You're leaving him locked in for the whole rest of the game. Um, it depends. You know, it depends. Like I say, I think he's had a tough time, and he could be pivotal in the dome at the end. And he he's got the that golden... useful energy, isn't he, that you need in the last stages? Yeah, yeah, it could be his calling. I think I, I would agree with that line. I think I'd probably sort of gives white with Patricio just for that dome bit. You need that arm reach just mm. to make sure you get enough golden tickets at the end. So, so are, you a, are you a Joel Figueroa convert as well then? Yeah, go on, why see not? What like? Yeah. yeah fair play. <laughs> um, Adam and Matt, are you cha- are you got any differences for that team for your Crystal Maze team? Matt, straight away. Yeah, right. Let well, me break need, this down for you. You need to think about this logically now, guys. Come on. You need Podence in there and you need uh, Jota in there because once you know you need someone with a low centre of gravity that can just pick them up off the floor, grab the ones that you need, and then you need Bolly in there and you need Patricio in there for your, your mid height so you can grab in the air, and then you need Cody 
to uh, be able to shout through the window, you know, when there's time up, get your ass out of town, you know, don't get locked in. Add, yeah, take I am. Um, no, I'm. That's pretty much like we've we've got my, what I was gonna um, team. I would propose really as well. Also, Patricia is just there for the poster boys of the team. He's just there, just there, just to to look good, there to be a best looking member of the team as well. But can we can we have John Ruddy host? By the way, as a that'll be a good Richard, one. Yeah. Richard O'Brien almost look alike. He's also proven it with uh, his gardening TV show. So there we go. There we I go. would also consider Matinho's entry as well because he's also quite small, diminutive, and also he just he just seems like a clever bloke. He'd be good for the mystery games. I think he'd just be he'd be a good addition. Mind you, that makes about six, doesn't it? So we're cheating now, aren't we? Um, I'm going to go for the last question here, gents. It's from our very own Richard Hobbs. He goes to this question. Uh, and I'd be careful with your answers, gentlemen. That's all I'm going to say to set you up for this one. Shag, marry, kill. Actor, <laughs> Luke, actor, Luke Evans. Footballer, Lee Evans. Or fancast host, David Evans. Shag, marry, kill. What are you going for? Um, I'm going to... I'm going to... I don't know who the I don't know who um, the actor is because I think he's like the only Lee Evans I can think of as a musician. But I'm gonna I'm gonna shag I'm gonna shag the actor. I'm gonna kill Lee Evans the footballer, and I'm gonna marry you, Dave. So every morning I can wake up with a bloody good breakfast. Way is <laughs> Luke is Luke Evans the guy who played um, Gaston in the new Gaston? And he's in the Hobbit as well, isn't he? Yes. He's, um, oh, okay. I can't remember what his name is in the See, Hobbit. Google. Good, good-looking man there. Might need to change your opinions there. Uh, Ad, what are you going for on that one? I'm just googling Luke Evans. Just <laughs> making sure. <laughs> because I don't know. Luke. Are we talking about the same one? Luke George Evans, born April 15, 1979, is a Welsh actor and singer. That's okay. him. That's him. Yeah. Uh, no idea who he is, so I'll kill him. Oh. <laughs> just because. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, Little what, insight what, into Adam's uh, thought process there. Yeah, I don't know who. Oh, oh hang on. No, he, mm, I'll change my mind. I'll change my mind. Uh, Lee, Ev- Lee Evans, the footballer. Yeah, he's he's been bumped off. Mm. So, um, Dave, you're because you're so uh, you're quite a dependable bloke. So you're definitely okay. marriage marriage material. Good, good. So that means that Luke Evans is getting it. <laughs> Yeah. George, <laughs> cool. how about you? What are you going for? Dave, I'll shag you. Good. I need to hear someone say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Um, I'll marry Luke Evans because I think, you know, you might get to some like Oscar shows, you know. And um, he, he's a decent actor, actually. And yeah, Lee Evans, a footballer. He offered nothing for me other than a long throw. So he can, yeah, yeah we can kill him off. <laughs> And that's good to know. Well, on that bombshell, gents. (laughs) On that bombshell, that's the last podcast of this season. It was our 84th podcast of the season. We've had quite a jaunt on this season, but I just want to thank everybody uh, for listening throughout the season to all our podcasts. We really appreciate you supporting the show and listening. And uh, we'll be back next season with more fun in Wolves in the Premier League. But it's been quite a long record. I hope you've been sticking around for this episode and you've enjoyed what we've done this season. But not just for this episode, but for this season. It's bye from George. Bye. Bye from Matt. Take it easy, guys. Bye from Adam. Goodbye, everyone. And it's bye from me. See you around. 
Escape your every day with out-of-this-world action. From the gritty apocalypse of the Walking Dead universe to the cyberpunk realm of The Watch and the criminal underbelly of Gangs of London, AMC Plus is more than entertaining. It's epic. Feel all the chills and thrills with Shudder's Halfway to Halloween Month. Experience Shudder's biggest month of horror featuring a new season of Creepshow and new movie premieres every week. All available ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com.